Howdy meeps, and welcome to the Meeple Syrup Show. All right, howdy meeps, we're here live and direct Wednesday, May 29th, 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, and for Jesse, it's 6 o'clock Pacific Standard Time, because he's a Pacificer. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so today we're talking about what's what's down there, uh, real time games. Boop, 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 boop. And before that, too. yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's let's <laughs> talk about uh, a little action that happened this weekend. Uh, Jesse, where were you? I was at KublaCon. Oh yeah, I about KublaCon. Uh, it was pretty cool. Yeah, it was nice. Um, I didn't expect to be able to go, so um, it was nice that I can't plan my life, and I was wrong about how the calendar works, and got to go. <laughs> um, yeah, so uh, I ended up. So I had no plans. I knew there was a protospiel room that uh, Luke Laurie was the sort of head organizer for making happen. Mm. So I figured I'd just spend my time in there. Uh, and then it was pretty nice because uh, Daryl Andrews was in town. So I got dinner with him. And then after the con, he came over for dinner uh, last night. And uh, Travis Chance was also in town, who's someone that I know and uh, haven't seen in a very long time. So we spent a bunch of time together. So it was great, just like hanging out with friends, playing prototypes. Um, I didn't actually, I guess, as happens even when I go to a con without any plans, walk the convention hall in any meaningful or intentional way. So I have no <laughs> idea what was I actually there. I went to there. a room. Yep. <laughs> stay <Yeah>. there. <laughs> and stay there. Sequestered in the protocol room. So that's Sequestered great. in the protocol Yeah, a lot of uh, nice pictures. I actually could find you in those pictures because you were wearing a bright blue shirt mm -hmm. and had your, the pink hair going on. So mm -hmm. it was easy to find Jesse. Like today. Yeah, it was a different shirt though. Just, just so you it, know, he does it was a different shirt. shirt. Yes. It's just the almost exactly the same color. It's a little lighter, a little lighter. Um, so, Erica, what were you doing this weekend? You didn't go to Portersfield North, did you? No, I'd let, I wanted to, but um, timing is just off right now. He'll actually serve report cards. Yay! Yeah. And so, Erica, and I were doing a lot of prototyping actually this weekend. Yeah. So, I was up at Anime North. Anime North is uh, the largest fan based anime convention, I think, in North America. Um, mm -hmm. Where it's all fan controlled, which is really interesting. So it's not run by uh, another bigger, like um, production company. It's owned by the fans, and it's it's all fan staff and volunteers, and it's a really interesting con. And what my favorite part about the con isn't the cool anime stuff that I get to buy while I'm there, which because it is cool, but it's actually the diversity. Um, it is such a diverse audience of people who just love anime. Um, many different walks of life, um, all sorts of people with various backgrounds. And so I loved being there. I always like it. Um, just seeing who grew up watching, you know, whatever, you know, love Dragon Ball or, you know, love Wing of Onimes or whatever they're into. They're so into it. And it's amazing. And so I love that Trigun is back. I was like, really? That's awesome. I, I see a lot I of people guess. doing Bash to Stampede. I was like, that's a pullout. <laughs> I was like, where did that come from? That's a pretty deep cut. Um, yeah. And I think there's, I think there's a lot of people, you know, through the proliferation of streaming services like Crunchyroll, um, there is Netflix and uh, Amazon Prime both have their own like exclusive anime. So Funimation. Yeah. So I think there's a lot of stuff going on now that will help people access that stuff. Back when I was watching heavily, we had like fan subs on VHS tapes. That's what we had. Uh, okay, I got, I got a good one on that. I sent cash to somebody in Vancouver to send me VHS copies that he made from like the actual laser disc that he got yeah, from yeah, Japan yeah. for Sailor Moon. Right, exactly. <laughs> like exactly. I was like, I remember that was how things happened. <laughs> yeah, and so now it's just like I just go to your Crunchyroll. Oh my I god, it's so easy now. Oh, it's laughably easy now. Yeah. And so my kids watch anime all the time. They love it, and it's great. Um, anyway, so that's where I was. And the gaming part of it, uh, Japanime Games is there. Obviously, that's a good place for them to be. They had a great video of interviews from Tokyo Game Market, which had happened that weekend as well. So that was really neat to see, because I've actually never seen Tokyo Game Market. It's, it's on my bucket list of things to do someday. And then we had a, another panel talk about designing in... 
uh, designing board games and card games and anime worlds and things like that. So that was pretty fun. And next year, Jonathan Lavallee and I are planning on doing some live streaming from Anime North, uh, doing one shots of RPGs set in anime settings with hopefully voice talent. So that's that's a plan. We'd love to raise the profile of tabletop gaming at Anime North because there's a lot of people. We were just playing in the in the hotel lobby and people would walk up to us and join our games and things like that. And we, so I think if we had something a little more organized, we could actually do some really cool stuff there. Anyway, so that was Anime North. And I think next for all of us is Norigens. Because none of us are going to be at Origins. Which is Origins. Like, I, I want to. I can't. Absolutely uh, like a strange freak of nature that none of us are there. Because usually all We of usually us are all are there. Oh, and Jason, my hero is awesome. Yeah. Oh, you just downloaded <laughs> my hero. Don't nobody say oh, anything because it's awesome. Dude, you are in for a good binging <laughs> I like that one. It's a great show. Great I show. wanted to come back. Okay, anyway. Sorry. Yes. Eric, you have to watch the rest of One Punch Man. Yeah. <laughs> that is fun, too. <laughs> One episode of One Punch Man. I mean, maybe that's okay. <laughs> well, I mean, I think the rest of it's even better. So It's all there really go. good, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But, cool. but it lands better the more you're into anime. Hey, Zach Connolly actually made it. Let's do for it. Why are we getting I all these know. news? Well, why is Travis booing us all? I don't know. Hi, Jesse. No strikes. What? <laughs> are we, am I missing something? <laughs> I don't know what we're missing. Oh. What's being booed? I don't know. Oh, well, tell us anyway, later. they can tell us. I don't know where the booed booed booed. Booed. Okay. okay. Well, on that note, Hi, let's Zach. move no on to uh, real-time games. So today we're going to do a little bit of a deep dive and dissecting the game. Uh, and we're going to talk about real-time games. So what does that mean to you? Erica, let's start with you. What is... Oh, boo to no origins. I get it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Boo. Uh, for us too. <laughs> Erica, what, what do real-time games mean to you? Or what would you define as being a real-time game? It's funny because I was when we started doing this topic, I was like, I, when I started looking into games, I was like, wow, I really have don't play a lot of real-time games. And I, I think we'll get into maybe a little bit why. I mean, I, maybe it's just it's not my inclination per se. But I did realize I think I used to play a ton, I would call them more card-based and like I guess what <laughs> Tom Vassell likes to call slapper games. <laughs> like those ones you always play as oh, yeah, kids yeah, yeah. or teenagers. Like I remember playing tons of stuff like that, but it's funny in like more of a hobby sense or game sense, I can't think of a lot that I've really played. Like it was really interesting going through the list going like, no, no, no. I'm like, I'm really deprived <laughs> of real time games. Or you're a snob. Or yeah. no, I'm not a snob. I don't tear games down. I just I don't know. Either I haven't had the opportunity or I'm just maybe not as inclined to pick it. Sure. And I, I get that. I think that's a real thing about real time games. Uh, somebody posted in one of our either on the page or on the shop top group that they find that real time games are very polarizing for people. Yeah. Oh well have you played Happy Salmon, Erica? Yes. That's, okay. Okay. that's what I say. I've played a lot of that type of game. That's why I say it's more of the or quirky action. Like I, but I, those tend to run a little younger, which maybe makes them a little sillier or maybe less, maybe less serious. And because they tend to be frantic, frantic and less serious is fine, but frantic and serious is an interesting combination. So maybe that's the divide. Yeah, maybe. Uh, maybe that's what it is, right? Jesse, what yeah. about you? How would you define a real time game? Uh, a real-time game is uh, any game in which players feel the pressure of a literal clock. Mm -hmm. Where well, the um, clock is counting down, giving you yep. that. It can be an or race. Yeah, it something. can be an explicit clock, like there's a sand timer that you can feel the pressure of. It can be a countdown timer on an app, but it can also be a clock imposed by other players, such yeah. as games that have like a race or speed element to them. Like first person to finish putting in all their actions gets a bonus. And that game has real time. If if yeah, you feel that kind of real time pressure, then it's a real time game. Right. So if you are doing stuff continuously and endlessly and always, that's what I think a lot of people feel real time kind of is. But most real time games, you actually have like a, a yeah. break to yep. like gather your senses. Where, 
uh, get your bearings straight, resolve See what happened. some things, right? Like who gets the points or who scores for this, collect yep. all your stuff and your thoughts, and then you start a game. So I, I definitely think there's a, a feeling, unfortunately, that people have in regards to real-time games where they think, oh, it's going to go like this forever. I'm not going to do that because my heart can't take it or my mind can't calculate things that quickly. Um, and so breaking the game up into smaller segments so there is slow time and there's real time, mm -hmm. I, I think is one way that we can implement games in slightly a different way. So yeah. what other things can we do to implement real time in a game? And why? when would you? Erica, is there any, any game design that you have come up with that you think, hey, maybe real time could be a thing here? You know what? There, I only ever had two designs that were real time. And one really was a race to the finish sort of thing. Like you're racing to actually build something and the first person to build it and get, use the thing to get another thing, as best I'll put it, um, you, you basically, you win. It's the first person to get that object, right? And so it's a race to get the materials to get to the object. Uh, but then I had another one that didn't quite work because that, that one that I'm talking about is, is technically contracted, but I don't know what's going on with it. Um, okay. Anyway, the other one was something that I love in concept, but never really finished the execution of. So uh, Daryl and I were playing with one that was called All You Can Eat, which was two sides of the kind of a kitchen. One was the eaters, one was the cookers. Mm -hmm. And so what was kind of neat about it is the cards actually, as you managed to put the food out, created these trays and these plates and things like that. And as you finish the food, you're creating empty plates in front of you. It was a real-time game. Mm -hmm. But here's the hardest part, though, because it was asymmetrical, is how to match the two sides mm -hmm. playing different games, but line them up in real time. And that was the dilemma of design that we kind of are in with that if one. You're, if you want to play a game to get inspiration, you should try to get in on a game of Panic of, at Wall Street. Panic Wall Street. Um, Yep, which is a real-time game that has two sides, two winners, and is asymmetric. One group of players are stock traders. They're trying to buy stocks, which will then be automatically sold during the sort of slow time resolution phase after each real-time round. And the other set of players own companies, and they're just trying to not get screwed by the stockbrokers. Um, so you, and so you're always in that game, you're negotiating prices uh, of stocks, like how much you're going to sell them for and so on and so forth. It's interesting because awesome. uh, Jesse actually had to schedule a very specific game day for us to play that because a lot of people are like, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know if I'm gonna play that. But then he said, "We're doing it. We're playing. We're doing it. <laughs> we're You're time. playing." It's, yeah. a, it's an the interesting game because it's it is almost an event. Like we had to schedule because I don't know if I'd just pick that out of a pile of games to play. No, and you need like six eight eight people for it to be fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, here's a question. Travis Bagram says, um, uh, "What do you say here?" Oh. Escape, escape rooms. games i agree uh, we play all the unlock and exist but i don't feel the same about them as say jab and thank you for mentioning jab which is gavin brown's uh it's not his magnum opus but it's a really good game and yeah you know i think you're right in a way travis that it feels a little less real time because you have an hour and an hour is a big chunk of time Maybe I, it's how I, you work together too. It's like a bunch of people on one task can be quite seem quite different. Right. So I, I'll, I'll I'll raise an alternative proposal as to why those games don't feel like real time games. I have yet to play a game of Unlock in which we let the timer run out. If we're starting to run out of time, we just pause the timer and keep playing. Oh, because you can. We, well, no, because what what we're having fun doing is solving it's, the puzzle. Right. The so fact that we're yeah. not going to get a high score and finish it on time doesn't make the game better or worse for us. It's just an aside. Yeah. Um, and so when we're getting down to the last two minutes, we'll just hit the pause button and never unpause it. And then it's like continue. a party game where points don't matter. Yeah. Well, getting, and so yeah, the time it, doesn't matter. I think it's also because you can only play those once. So it's not like you can go back and experience it again and try to beat it for the better score. It's like, no, no, no. I'm only going to get to experience this once. The time yeah. is not the thing I'm experiencing. That's not That's really that matters. Yeah. Hmm. This is a really good point. Zach Connolly brings up, I find that the more AP prone uh, analysis paralysis uh, prone people in our group shy away from real time, but it's great to watch someone that maths everything out struggle 
frantically. You're, that's like, that's like he likes totally to torture people with these games. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny because as Jesse and Erica know from playing many games with me, I am that person that maths everything out, but I'm also wicked good at real-time games because if you release that constraint or you make me constrain time, I'm just, okay, that's what I got to do now. Um, and so there's, a, there's a skill to that too. And I think not everyone that's maybe not their comfort zone is when you have to react immediately. There's a lot of people that are like, is my action right or wrong? And if you're yes. kind of thinking in that way, it's like real time is going to freak you out because it could always be like, you just have to go. It's an instinct thing. And I mm -hmm. think for some people it's like, no, no, you didn't give me time to actually make a choice. I just did something. And I got to think that's definitely not a comfort zone for some people. Right. Yeah. yeah. Which is why some of those slap games, like you said, as you classified them, or Tom Vassal classifies them, are really easy because you're either right or wrong, and it doesn't you're have reacting. a strategic. Yeah, it doesn't yeah. have a strategic uh, ramification later on in the game, right? So, cool. Um, yes, and uh, Zach also asks, "Isn't Jetpack Joyride a real-time game that isn't timed?" So, yeah, there is no t there is no clock on it. You're correct, and Jetpack Joyride is one of those, like J Jesse said, a player-mediated timer where the first person to say i'm done ends the timer ends the arbitrary fake timer and everybody else is now also done and then you calculate points after that, like how far did you get so there's the pressure there to be efficient and effective all at the same time efficiency being that you know you got you got done quickly but effective meaning that you scored points with everything that you did and a lot of people can't balance those two things all at the same time uh, while there's pressure on them. And that's that's the joy of Jetpack Joyride, I find. I think it's a great game. Yeah, agreed. And Eric says, hungry, hungry hippos. And I agree, but I wish there was a way to bolt that thing to a table if you're going to play. Suction cups. <laughs> yeah, that's what I was going to say. And unless you've ever played like the big oversized version, because like nobody can hit that thing hard enough to make it jump. Or, or but if you can adult... play the version where you're, you're, you're lying on a, a scooter board. And somebody has a feeling they push you out and you grab balls and they pull yeah. you back in. That oh, one's oh, awesome. I love scooter boards. Sorry. All right. Back on topic. Well, that is back on topic. topic. That is, back that on to board games. Oh, okay. Hey. Board games. Okay. So um, what do you guys think some of the pros and cons of real time are? I think we've already discussed a little bit about player preference. But what yeah. else is there that could be a, what's a pro of real time? You know what? I think for some people, the franticness that is a con is actually their pro. I mean, mm -hmm. some people, it's like, that's energizing. That's exciting. And I think that's why you see it a lot in particularly kids' games and party games, that that frenetic energy is not always a bad thing because it could be very exciting. Mm -hmm. I also think that that frenetic energy is uniquely available through real-time mechanisms. So yeah. if you want to create that kind of experience in your yes. game, then this is the toolkit to do it with. Mm -hmm. um, right. If you want to make, essentially, if you want to put players in a position where they're going to make bad decisions because they were rushed and then laugh about it later, real time is the right set of tools. Right. Yeah. Travis has a really good point here or interesting because I'm trying to parse it out. It says real time is the rare category for a designer where you can all caps his always give the player an optimum play without it being too obvious and boring. Oh, I oh you speed up what they would do naturally, but make them feel more excited no, about there it? Can no. be, so there can be optimal play decisions in a real-time game, and that's mm -hmm. fine. Whereas in like a Euro, if there's an optimal path to it victory, seems easy. That's, well, that's terrible. Yeah. It kind of ruins the whole experience. <laughs> no, right? it's, there's no decisions easy. to be made. That, that's yeah. really interesting, Travis, and I get what you're saying, yeah. Um, I have a, I have a con, I think, yeah. and this can also, uh, and this could be also based on the players around you, but the problem with a lot of real time, and I think there's two cons that kind of come out of this is you are often very focused on yourself to the extent mm -hmm. where you can almost have blinders on to other people because of the extent of the real time. Again, not all games, but a lot of games, you are your primary focus and you don't really see everybody else until you sort of like reconvene. What can happen is either errors or cheating, in which case, whether they meant to or not, there are going to be a lot of things going on that were not correct. Now, in some games, that doesn't matter, but in some games, it does. Yeah. And so I think 
the, the combination of either error cheating could be one definitely i think could be a and again i think co-op mitigates a bit but i think that is an error and then their other one would be i don't really think that much about the other players right, right. okay so um mistakes not being verifiable in the actual play only when you finish Correct, and then the other if one. If you can be... see it at all, you may not even notice the error or the cheat um, because of the how it builds together or yeah. whatever you're doing. Right. So yeah, and those are things that you can address in in design too, right? So a lot of my favorite real time games um, have punishments for cheating that are really really bad, and so you police yourself because if you cheat in Galaxy Trucker half of your ship could be missing at the start of the round because there is an invalid connection. Um, if you make a mistake in space alert, uh, hilarity, I mean, that's actually the whole point of the game is so is that someone will screw up and then the ship will explode and you'll all laugh about it. Yeah, that's cool, um, though. Ooh, we died. No, that's right. <laughs> um, the, only, the only real-time game that I've enjoyed that I can think of where uh, errors... Um, are a legitimate potential problem is escape because you're constantly rolling and then spending dice to move and then re-rolling them. So there's no record, there's no tracking, um, but it's cooperative. So nobody's paying attention to each other's details. And so I guess it's okay there. It's also simple enough that the likelihood of making mistakes is pretty low. Right. Um, but these are definitely like the possibility of mistakes. How are you going to deal with them? Uh, is something you absolutely need to consider when you're making a real-time game because it's just sort of part of the product. And yeah. so it needs to be holistically considered in the design. Yeah, some yeah. other design com considerations, Zach Connolly saying um, that keeping folks honest during real-time is harder, so real-time feels clunkier in competitive games versus like Jesse was saying, where maybe in a oh. co-op it doesn't matter so much and error is an error. Mm -hmm. um, Eric Slauson says real-time also has care components for the components. Mm. Um, you get aggressive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Because the cards are for sure getting bent at some point, which is why Happy Salmon cards are plastic cards because they are very immune to things happening to them. I was gonna say that's why you do get those uh, heavier duty pieces. I think in a lot of these real time games, uh, like plastic or tile or something like that. Because I'm thinking yeah. uh, USAopoly has one coming out. I can't remember what's called, but they have like a Bob's Burger one too. But basically, you're rolling two dice and figuring out what objects are you moving left, right to the center kind of thing. And they're big, chunky pieces. But even just thinking that game is fairly simple, but you could roll, miscommunicate the signals that the dice are giving you to your brain, pick the wrong piece, go the wrong direction. And though it's really simple, because you're doing this, you could just literally react the wrong direction and be like i messed up and nobody knows so i'm just gonna keep going like that's why i mean i think there's a lot of that potential yeah. yep. uh helena capel asks what are your favorite real-time games jesse you got called out hard yeah that's because i mentioned that i had favorites yeah no uh so in no particular order my top five are jab real-time boxing yeah. brawl space yeah. alert five minute dungeon and happy mm -hmm. salmon I would never say no to any of these games. Those are all good games. Now you guys, you, now you know. Just say those <laughs> games to Jesse and he'll play with you. Yeah, Jesse will, Jesse will be up all hours of the night playing real-time games with you. There's a lot of actually interesting design space in real-time. Um, one of the games that I played, and I, Jason Levine taught it to me at The Gathering two years ago. It's called Time Arena. Jesse, have you seen this? Have I shown it to you? No. Basically, you have four timers that are you're you're turning over all the time. To it's basically mm -hmm. representing cooldown uh, for your your creatures. It's 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 a player versus player multi arena. Yeah. Uh, it's two player game only, I think. And your timers are basically the cooldown when they die. You and you only have that much time to move them and all that sort of stuff. So it's it's pretty interesting. What's so, this for? People were saying Happy Salmon in the comments. Oh, yeah. I was like, yeah, I got Happy Salmon. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah you told, you've told me about that one. I think I think that's similar to the mechanism in Kitchen Rush, which I haven't yes. played. but um, Which is very funny. So a lot of people who are talking about, oh, you know, it's a, uh, you know we don't do a lot of complex stuff in, in real-time space. Um, I don't know if you guys know who the designer of... Kitchen Rush is, but he also designed an acrony and stuff like that. So <laughs> it's it's like you're you're looking at right. very broad ends of the spectrum. Yeah. Well, I'm gonna, um, gonna talk about like 
broad games here, considering like, again, you're talking about people not, that would not have any ton of complexity. I, why don't I do some of the lists? Cause I'll be mm -hmm. fair. I think one of the reasons I haven't played a lot of these, I w so I went looking for different lists of top, whatever's top 10, top fives. And what I found was uh, top 10 real time games from Dice Tower. And then I found a good one, which is uh, another good one, which was uh, top five games for co-op board games that are, uh, that are yeah, real time ones. Okay, and cool. so, uh, it was interesting because I think a lot of the reasons I haven't played a lot of these is because they are potentially a little bit longer or you need other people or, you know, you might have a bit more rule set. So it's not as maybe as fast as like a happy salmon pickup. You know what I mean? Okay, All right. So, so here we go. Top 10 real time games from Dice Tower. I'll go from 10 to 1. Uh, 10 was Space Cadets Dice Duel. 9 is Panic on Wall Street, which is the one Jesse mentioned earlier. Mm -hmm. 8 is Millennium Blades. Seven uh, is a tale. Yeah. Nope, carry on. Sorry. We can talk about this before we get to it. A tale of pirates is number seven. Six is Escape, the Curse of the Temple. Five is Galaxy Trucker. Four is Magic Maze. Three right. is Stellar Conflict. Mm -hmm. Two is Captain Sonar. Mm -hmm. And one is Project Elite. And then the top five co-op board games. I think there was only one crossover on this one. So they went from five to one. Space Alert was five. Kitchen Rush is four. Fuse is three. Mm -hmm. Magic Maze pops up again for number two. And one is Five Minute Dungeon, which Jesse also mentioned. Okay, cool. So let's let's talk about uh, the ones that we've played. So there's only like two that I haven't played, yeah. uh, which is Stellar Conflict and uh, one of the other ones in the Dice Tower list. I haven't played Project Elite, which was the oh, number yeah, Project one. Elite. Okay. So it sounds like there's something Jesse and I need to do because we, we do like real-time games and Project Elite, I believe, is a spacey thing and we like sci-fi, so we'd probably play it uh, if we knew that it was what it was. So maybe that's something to look for. But um, uh, start at the bottom again. Start at number 10. So it's is it Space Cadets? Space Cadets Dice Duel because there's more than one version of Space Cadets, isn't there? And I think yeah. one is more yeah. loved than the other. Yes. Okay. Yeah. I think Dice Duel is more loved. All right. Yeah, I, I'm um, I'm not really a fan of either of them for various reasons. Uh, I get the design intent behind them, and I think it's a really smart design intent. I found the execution didn't play out the way that um, I wanted the experience to go, or I, I I didn't appreciate the experience that I got out of it. I guess that's that's the way I'm going to state that. Was um, was any of that negativity connected to the real time aspect, or was it something else? It's no, it was. It's it's probably the players who I played with, and mm. they're handling. There's the another con I will say of real time games is it very dependent. I kind of just like co op games in general, but very dependent on who you're playing with to what kind of game you have. Yeah, mm. I think that's. I mean, that's more true of all games than I think a lot of gamers accept. Uh, yes, yeah, so, oh, I yeah. think it's really pronounced. I think it's hyper pronounced with yeah, real time. Um, real time. So listen to this. Uh, Eric said that he has never seen his girlfriend react so negatively to a game as she did to Magic Maze. And Magic Maze, I think we've all played. We all played? Magic I Maze actually played, played oh. like none of these. I was, oh, wow. I was like, oh my uh, God. That's neat because I play games with Eric's girlfriend. She's super sweet. She's nice. She wouldn't get mad at a fly, except unless that fly was named Magic Maze. So apparently. <laughs> he, um, he, he, he just said that uh, she said her issues with it being super aggressive. Uh, oh, okay. And I can I can understand that. I'm pretty sure Magic Maze is a game in which I have I discovered how mean you can be at someone with a piece of wood shaped like a meeple. Yeah, okay. because the magic, mechanic in Magic Maze, when you <laughs> don't agree with what somebody's doing, is you take this meeple thing and, and you, you like, put it in front of them. Put it in front of them, and <laughs> if you so it's a frustrating game. You can be, but if you're really emphatic with it, you're like. You take smack, it smack, and you smack, smack it, smack it in front of them a couple times to get them to do what you want to do because you can't do it. But you see, you see so. the thing. So it's it's alpha gaming without allowing you to talk. Yeah, it's actually. I mean, the design's really, really, really smart, though. Yeah, for sure. Um, the basic is, is yeah. So you uh, do you do you know what it is, Erica? I think I have like a vague idea. I'll be honest. Yeah. I totally recognize so, the box. Is that sure? 
<laughs> so it's no. a pretty simple concept. Basically, there are four different colored meeples, and they're on a grid, and there's like spaces, and we're just trying to move them to specific spaces, and then move them to other specific spaces. That's it. It's a two-step process. The catch is that each of us is only able to move the meeples in one direction. You can move them north. I can move them south. Sen can move them east or west. And we're not allowed to talk. And there's a timer. And so... Whenever you pick up a meeple, you can only move it in the north direction. So if ever a meeple needs to move north, you are the one that has to do that job. Okay. So I, if I see that a That's meeple needs design. to be north, and you're, you it's haven't caught building. on yet, I might take the red meeple and like slam it in front of you a few times. You're not like, paying attention! Okay. Or whatever, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I love that Helena seconds the, I hate it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna just I guess cycle it is these two loved things. or hate, apparently. Like I said, I, it's yeah. very polarizing. Um, yeah. And it's I think it's really polarizing is. because it is a short time. You can decide whether you like something or not in a very short amount of time in a real-time game. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Whereas with some games, like say you're playing, I don't know, Caverna or yeah. you know, something like that. You might so you get like six hours it. before you can weigh in. <laughs> That's true. Convert, <laughs> convert you kind of do. <laughs> You're like, hey, man, I don't like this. Whereas within five seconds of Happy Sam, you're like, I don't like touching these people. This is bad. Yeah. Well, right? converter is so like, bad. I should have bought that thing like 20 turns ago. Yeah, <laughs> and right. I'm stuck. Um, well, Brad Batch here, but... one of our wonderful patrons, says, I love real-time games, but also found Magic Maze strangely passive-aggressive. It's not strange. It is. It is. There's some passive-aggressiveness. Maybe. Yeah, maybe. You know, I, we, I think this is something we've talked about before, and maybe one of the reasons why some competitive games are loved more than others is I think people like being having an excuse to be mean without it being their fault. Oh, yeah, so, we talked about that before, too. Yeah, and I think that's, I, I want to call it like the Az Azul Complex or something like that. But I do generally think that it's like, that is a very, very mean game that people like to pretend isn't. It's sort of like, it's not me, it's the game. I didn't have to do it. No, no, you counted it out. We know, all know how you did it. But I feel like there's an element of that, mm -hmm, that it's yeah. like, maybe that's where some of the love comes from because people really do like being mean as long as they don't have to be blamed for it. Interesting. Here's an interesting point because I think this is a pro and a con all at the same time. The Thai man, Travis Magrum, ties with this one. Uh, Real-time games lack time to negotiate. Huh. But that's sometimes true. that's a it's feature. Reaction. Yeah, right? Is that a bug right. or a feature? Well, it's a pro con. It's a pro con because you can see situations where you can be both. Yeah. Well, so there are real time games that are negotiation games. This is why I said sometimes Panic it's a feature. Panic on Wall Street. Millennium Blades has negotiation elements in the real time phase. Sidereal Confluence is a real time negotiation game. Yeah. Layered on top of a weirdly complicated engine builder. Yeah. Um, <laughs> even Hit is yep. effectively real time negotiation, right? Set yep. collection. But you're negotiating for those things. And so, yeah, it is a pressure. There's a panic. And that's why people like it, but also don't like it. The other yeah. thing you can't be in real-time games is if you're if you're the type of person who is uh, on the passive side of active, mm. you may actually not do well in a real-time game because, say, mm. a game like Pit, you basically have to yell at each other, Four, four, give me four. I need four. Give me four. You want to trade four? Let's trade four. Four. You're like in their face with like four, four, give me four. And like, dude, just, you guys played dude yet? Yeah. But if you're just <laughs> oh, sitting I felt there, so dumb playing, but it was so silly. Right? So silly fun. But if you're just sitting there going, uh, I need four. Can do you have four? I got four. Nobody's ever gonna trade with you because they don't need to trade with you, or they don't know they need to trade with you. So yeah. Mm. Anyway. Uh, Eric is saying, Erica, you should play Magic Maze. Everyone should experience having that meeple slammed in front of them. It's like taking a punch. It's like everyone should get punched in the face once in their life. Is that what this game is? Well, you know, as a self-defense instructor, I, I do think that everybody should get punched in the face at least once in their life, but that's a different... Yeah. different this story. is a social you punch You won't be afraid to be hit? Yeah, something true. like that. It's yeah. a social. I love it. Jesse says you. That would be the best advertising for this game. You bust it out. You're like, hey, everybody. It's like a social touch to the face. <laughs> so there's um, there's other pros and cons to real time games. Uh, let's talk about some of them. So one of the things that uh, I think is a con in in real time games is that 
it's a whole lot of cognitive load under pressure, right? So mm -hmm. you're trying to make decisions, remember the rules of play, all within a very short mm -hmm. and real span of time, yeah. which means that people who are skilled will be better at it. People who are, yep. have expertise will be better at it. And That's... so Jesse can tell his brawl story because he always tells his brawl story. Tell your brawl story, Jess. What brawl story? Whoa. Oh, that you walked around <laughs> with the brawl next. Oh, yeah, I know. But that, this is, that, that feels like attention to this. I was just going to point out that it's not an accident that my top five real-time games are all quite simple. The exception being Space Alert, but the fact that it's complicated is part of what I love about it because we only play it for five players and we all divide jobs. So right. we all split that complexity. So everybody's handling a different subset of the rules um, so that we all are each playing a simple game. And that's what makes it feel cooperative to me. Um, yeah, that, well, that is the intention of yeah. the cooperation in that um, game, I think. Whereas I, um, I had one awesome game of Millennium Blades and I can understand who it's for but it doesn't give me good feelings to play that game with the real-time rules because there's just so much complexity that you have to hold in your head and parse and think about um so, so the real-time part of millennium blades for those of you who haven't played millennium blades is imagine you were going to a card store to buy magic cards and you had a budget and all you had sudden, 30 minutes to yeah, assemble a tournament winning tearing yeah. open packages? Sudden, it's on. No, it's like, don't you it's, have, oh, not no, really. No. I mean, I wish See, there was. But there I thought, thought you had to open packages of, of cards or something like that. Only, you, only no. metaphorically. Metaphorically. Oh. So you, you have a stack of cards. You buy a stack of cards, and that stack is a booster. When okay. do you buy a single card? Single well, cards are boosters, yeah. but they're face down. And when you buy it, you get to flip it and see what it is. Yeah, that's right. Okay. Any Space Team fans in here? Yes. Hello, Space Team fan right here. Yeah, Jesse. Jesse's played Space Team with me yeah, many yeah. times. That's the that's the phone app, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The phone app is wonderful. I haven't actually played the tabletop implementation. Eric, have you played it? I don't know why I would. Well, yeah, Eric yeah. I don't know if he is. Um, actually, it's funny that you bring up the app because I think this is something we could talk about too. Uh, is it's funny? I think all of us, for the most part, would have no problem playing real time video game. Yeah, but but. Why is there such a different feeling for real-time tabletop? I, I don't know. Like I was when I was looking it up. Anyway, I just noticed more and more. No, I'm like, you know, yeah, you're, you're, you're exactly right. I think people look at tabletop for a different experience than they get from video games. So they don't um, want that pulse-pounding pressure. That they don't want to be tied to the screen for the thirty minutes it takes them to play the game. Mm -hmm. They want to be able to also, leave the table, get a drink, do all these types of things. Uh, also, video so, game. Yeah. Uh, no, Try, finish your thought. I didn't know you. Were... No, I was just going to say that um, with that that time, you know, when you get into a real time game, if the real time game is like a twenty minute real time game, you know, for that twenty minutes, you are occupied, you are on, you the have whole to pay time, yeah, to that game for around twenty minutes, with maybe some little infrequent breaks between rounds mm. or something. Right. Maybe that's it. The expectation is very different, or like yeah, and the, the negative feeling, the yeah. Different or perceived negative feelings before you even start, you may actually have the same outcome, but for some reason we don't walk in with the same expectation. Well, I think a I lot think... of people go into board games or a good percentage of them to be calm, <laughs> have a calm experience, have a nice sit down calm experience. So the other really important difference that um, between video games and board games is that a lot of the cons that have been listed for board games can be handled by a computer. Aha, so, it's very, it's easily yeah. mitigated stuff. So, so it's Eric's mentioning, yeah, Eric's mentioning video game does the policing of your rules. Uh, with respect to cognitive overhead, video game designers have all sorts of tools at their disposal oh, yeah. to reduce so cognitive so overhead. Right, they can use yeah. the the interface itself can help you to see the important strategic layer, so you can make the decisions you need to make, and the game underneath can be as complicated as it needs to be to work. Yeah. Um, so That's fair, yeah. Right. So the experience of playing StarCraft, which is a you know real time combat game, is uh, very different from a board game in part because a real time board game in part because you know, video game designers can just do things that we can't. Right. Um, and I, I think there's a, a neat point that, uh, you know, you're making in terms of simplicity. So 
if you're if you're looking at a really simple game, let's pick, I don't know, Looping Chewy or Looping Louie. People love that game because it is super simple, right? They will just sit there and play that. Okay. It's <laughs> it's real time. It's not as not as heart race inducing. The decision is super simple. Do I press the button or not? Um, you know, mm -hmm. the consequences of your action aren't super great and it's fun to watch and play. So, mm -hmm. I mean, I find a lot of people will play that game as a real time game over something that's almost semi serious, you know, where there's yep. points involved. Well, I mean, there are yep. points in Lupin Louie, but, and I've seen yeah. some people play very competitively in Lupin Louie, but. I think I think that brings up another thing too is the expectation of other players. Like if I was playing a video game online, whether I pop in or out, actually probably won't matter to anybody else. You can't say that in a tabletop game. You can't just be like, okay, I'm I'm, I'm out for a second. I'll be right back. Right? Uh, it, it's it's sort of like I don't have pressure in a video game. I do whatever I want for the most part. I have pressure. I owe something to people if I've agreed to sit down at a table. And so I think the expectations are completely different hmm. michael dunsmore says jersey and then he later corrects hi himself. michael let's call you jersey jersey is Great. spot on as a real-time board game designer myself reducing the cognitive load on the players is one of the biggest challenges so let's talk about how we can do that how do we do that what do you think yeah well let's um let's do it through some examples so okay. um how do you, we've all played Happy Salmon. Yes. What does Happy Salmon do to reduce cognitive load, do you think? Well, um, part of the things are that most of the things are very, very different uh, in terms of the actions that you're doing. They are separated uh, like physically as well as color-wise, shape-wise. So there's the classic design tools of differing your color, your shape, the... Yep the text on the card, all that kind of stuff to lower that cognitive load. You just have to look at it and you kind of know what you're supposed to do. But then the actions mm -hmm. themselves are very different. So uh, like pound it versus slapping it. So your muscles are actually doing very, very different things, right? And if you are, um, you know, trading cards and things like that, you're getting kinesthetic in there. So there's a lot of, of different things to help the person learn what to do. Jesse has taught this game like, probably hundreds of times because he used to mm -hmm. work at a game store and this was his go-to game to teach people yep. just to kind of get them involved in gaming. And well, and because I could sell a copy by teaching it. Yeah, how how fast can you teach that game, Jess? Upsell. <laughs> um, um, I can teach that game in about 30 seconds. Right. Because so I think the so game is a comfort zone for so many people. Like if you talk about most of the basic actions of it, it is something that, again, kids could do, right? And I think there's something that if we perceive it like children can do this, we feel comfortable doing it too because it can't be that bad, right? And I think that definitely falls in that zone. And I think you actually made a good point earlier on Space Alert with even though it's complex, you're not as worried about it because the tasks are divided. So I think another right. way to mitigate some of that is that co-op element. And maybe that's where I find a lot of real time right. people are more tied There's, towards co-op. Yes. So, and that's actually interesting because even in the case of Happy Salmon, it's an incredibly simple game, but one of the things that really helps with the cognitive load is that it's always paired actions. So yeah. the one action in Happy Salmon that nobody understands when I explain the game is switcheroo. Yeah, all the rest of them. Why. Yeah, well, uh, because all the rest of them, except for Happy Salmon, are things that we already know about: high fives yeah. and pound its, etc. It's like most people oh, have okay. encountered so, something. So, right? I mean, yeah. we're talking about uh, like a cognitive affordance at that point. That yep. we, the things we do Co in real life. Everybody common knows vocabulary. what a high five is. Yeah. Right. common vocabulary, yeah. common actions. But switcheroo and Happy Salmon is such a like it's the name of the game, and it's such a weird thing. As soon as you learn it, you never forget it. But switcheroo. Yeah. What that. Um, but it never ends up being a problem because as soon as someone hits their first switcheroo card and someone else is like switcheroo and they're like, oh, they you and they're like, yeah. I have it. And I can see the look on their face. It's like, I don't remember what this is. And the other person's like, we switch places and they explain it to them and they sort of relearn the rules in the moment. So even right, when you forget, it takes it takes two for everything to happen in, in Happy Salmon, right? Um, right. Let's let's see. What about uh, five minute dungeon? Because Eric is saying five minute dungeon is great. Five right. minute dungeon was invented a hundred feet away from my house. Well, Ooh. maybe maybe a kilometer away from my house. Really. Um, Are you celebrity now? Yeah. No. no. <laughs> well, whatever. Uh, the the uh, what were they called? Jesse Wiggles three D. Wiggles three right? D. Yeah, yeah. Their their office is literally behind a church. That's about 
uh, walk. Uh, it's a stone's throw from my house. Mm. Anyway, uh, so Five Minute Dungeon. What does Five Minute Dungeon do well? What do you think, Jess? Uh, well, they do the colors and icons thing, um, yeah. which is pretty standard best practices in a real-time game. Mm -hmm. um, so graphic design is really important in real-time games. Yeah. yeah. I, to the point where I would even say that making a simple real-time game is a really good design exercise, uh, just because it will teach you so much yeah, about, about visual communication. About visual communication. And rules, simplicity, and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Uh, now, um, Five Minute Dungeon is a co-op. Yes, that's also true. Yeah, so you're relying, if you do something wrong, or if you don't know what you should do, chances are your partners will hint at you, oh, maybe you should use your power now. Or do you have any swords? We need more swords, or things like that. So, yeah, yeah. okay. Um, let's see what else that's is thing, there. I, I, I think that's the thing we all want, is if we're going to not necessarily get a chance to make the right choices, we either want someone to help us say, what if you do this instead or we all make the wrong choices together so it's great like you know what i mean it the, the pressure is not the same uh once we can kind of divide the load of things hmm uh michael dunsmore also says i find competitive real-time games like captain sonar or space cadet dice duel feel very different from cooperative real-time games like magic maze five minute dungeon or we're doomed okay cool uh let's go over to captain sonar because it's that the us versus so them idea, yeah. right? It's the you're actively playing against another team, right? Does that feel? Does it feel more like a sport? Does it? Does it help people do things better? This is one of those ones again, Jesse, that we've divided up tasks between yep. people, right? So, yep. Hmm, and you put them on Braga. the same team. Yeah. So they're on the same team, divided up, but then you're competing against another team that's doing the same thing. So I know people who don't like Captain Sonar because it's limited from, from you know, in a, in a con setting, I can see that, you know, sound is important. If I can't hear them, mm. I'm not going to play as well, and that's going to affect it. So I think there are, are a lot of things that can go wrong in real-time games, just like Dex games. You know, you have to have the proper table, and it's got to be enough room, and all these types of things are very much factors of the game, more so than just a you know sit down and play a hand of cards. Yeah, um, they're like set up set up con uh, considerations. Mm -hmm. There's only so, certain categories where that really matters, but yeah, yeah so especially communication ones. Con. Yeah, maybe a con for real time is that you have to actually play it in a place where yeah. you it makes sense to play it. Um, what else is there about Captain Sonar? Oh. That we have a problem. Well, I know a lot of people. I'll be fair. Like I've watched it played. I haven't actually played it myself. Uh, I I do know a major complaint and something I do see when I watch it is quarterbacking can very easily get at a hand in that one, where wow. you can kind of have someone that can kind of lead everybody else if they want to. That team will wow. lose. It's that true. Team, I'm just saying there are people who naturally <laughs> that starts to come out. I'm just a you sort of see it happen. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and, and I think the smart thing about That's... it is is that it it will be penalized in the end. It's like, yeah, you got shot because you just told everybody where you are. Um, yeah, because by quarterbacking, you just give away your information to the other team. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, I guess, and that's the thing. It's like at least, well, that's kind of a co-op issue in general. Well, it's so a... actually a real-time issue when it comes to quarterbacking. Right. Mm -hmm. So one thing that's actually interesting. So. Um, this is uh, this is a good transition because we were talking about um, uh, information compression and reducing cognitive load, and I want to switch and talk about Space Alert and Jab at least for a quick second because those are both games which increase the cognitive load in a real time environment. Mm. Um, and so one of the reasons why I love Space Alert is because it makes the quarterback an important job. Yeah. Um, you need it one person on the you need one. Yeah, you need someone on the team who's going to sit back and absorb the overall game state and then issue orders. Um, but because of the real time elements, every the best way to approach it is to issue generic orders. Erica and Sen, the interstellar octopus is your problem. It's showing up on turn three. Yeah, figure right? out how to deal with it. However, figure you out can. how to deal with it. You're you're delegating. Okay, yeah, you're so it's, delegating. It's, it's macro management as opposed to micro management. Yeah. And then everybody micromanages themselves because mm -hmm. there's no time for one person to like really get into the little details. But you can you still have a job for that person that knows the game better than everyone else and like wants to make sure we do the best we can. It's perfect. Here's the captain badge. Also, don't forget to move your character because that's how I cause us to lose the game. Yes. Um, I get so busy ma macro managing, I forget to. 
take actions. Uh, and so that's really cool. And Jab is an interesting one to consider too. It's a two-player head-to-head real-time boxing game, which intentionally has too much to pay attention to. Um, there's three mini games that you're doing this head-to-head competition on. That's and, a really good way of looking at it. I've actually never thought about it like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, there's three. There's three mini games that you have to pay attention to, and you don't need to win all of them to win the game. You just need to like win one of them better than your opponent. But they exist in this soft rock paper scissors relationship with each other. So if you're focusing on like body shots and putting damage in your opponent's piles, you make yourself vulnerable to getting comboed because your opponent, because now you're not paying attention to your own piles and like vice versa. And so it's this really, that's one of the reasons why it's one of my favorite real-time games because um, yeah, once you, once you've learned the three mini games, it turns into this like really intense uh, cognitive attention task, not mm-hmm. holding it all in your head task. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Uh, another one from Michael Dunsmore. He says, I'm really looking forward to an Origins release from Indie Game Studios. Finger guns at high noons. It's like as if Happy Salmon and Bang had a baby. That actually fun. super fun. I figure it's a lot of people go. Yeah. Do you guys ever see a uh, community? And they had that really bad, that one with the bad uh, video like board game one where it was like fistful of bullets or whatever it was. I don't know what it was. I can't remember uh, that one. I've anyway, they had what but... they actually had one where they make random sounds. You'd be like, "Bang!" and like you'd be like doing all kinds of silly things. But it was based off of like those old VHS. Like, oh, interactive ones. yeah, 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 like uh, atmosphere. That's immediately when yeah. my brain went to that because it was <laughs> based on like shooting things and like right. using slang like that and what's like and whatnot and whatnot. Right. Yeah, those old um, VHS games count as real time games. Yeah, that's yeah. real time. Yeah. Yeah. Even if they so, pause for you. Yeah, there's... <laughs> uh, let's talk about the pauses. Are the pauses... When is a pause necessary? What do you think? And what is it good for? I'm assuming... like, if, like Atmosphere actually could be a funny example of this because there are the pauses, but that the pauses is when the character interaction comes because you're trying to complete something before the thing on the screen comes back up. Right? And so that mm-hmm. becomes... The, the, the Obviously, the VHS is your timer. It's your... your whatever you want to call it. But yeah, I guess what other ones give you pauses other than to recalculate either amongst yourself or. Mm. So galaxy trucker and space alert both use pauses, the pausing to separate the real time decision-making from the consequences. Mm -hmm. Um, And, and it's not even like impulse based in those games. It's like we spend 10 minutes doing real time decisions and then we spend 10 minutes finding out how badly that was done. So you don't even get feedback. Um, Just go. Yeah. (laughs) We get feedback, but way too late. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Feedback for next game, how to play better. (laughs) What are, what are some other real time games with pausing? Um, Can you guys think of any offhand that have uh, intermittent pausing? Huh. I, I'm trying to think. Pausing. Yeah, like like where pausing doesn't mean the game is over, but we're just gonna like check some things or like do some stuff before we um, charge back Go into, into the it. next round. Yeah, yeah is there anything thing. where like yeah, when the time completes, we all reset when we're ready. We start the time again. That kind of yeah. concept. I'm just trying to think. There's got to be. Jab Jab has a bit of that. Some of the when it, some of the actions uh, actually do stop the round you resolve the action and then you bump fists literally because you have to touch gloves and start again and it's like in the middle of the round that you've stopped yeah that would be like a you know standing eight type thing um brad bachelor saying he got to play u-boot recently there are slow bits where nothing is happening and you can intentionally fast forward the clock so that's interesting i like that Hmm. um where i mean for example uh kingdom rush not the board game version, but the app version, you can actually, in its real time, you can choose to release the hounds, uh, let the wave start early, so you get more points when you do that. So that's kind of interesting as well. Eric pointed out that uh, in 5-Minute Dungeon, pausing the game is a character special power. Yes, you're right. You're right, Eric. Um, And that's neat, because then you can kind of reorder your decks. You can you can kind of you know put things in order so that you can 
better in the rest of the round. That's a great idea. Yeah. Um, also, Eric says, it's one of my design goals to design a scary game in real time is one of the mechanics that I think would work well towards the end. Towards that, that makes end. you know what that makes me think of. That makes me think of Fatal Frame. <laughs> <laughs> that's, I don't yeah. know. That's what so I think. if you don't want to, um, Fatal Frame is an old Sega video game. Was it Sega? Oh, it went all the way through uh, PlayStation. There yeah, was, it went through PlayStation. There's okay. a couple of or maybe it's three. Anyway, uh, yeah. yeah, the idea is that you're going around. There's different stories each time, but you're basically collecting photos of ghosts, but they can pop up in front of you at any time. So you have to explore, but it's gonna freak you. <laughs> <laughs> but it's not like a fighting game because a lot of times when things have jump scares like that just like something popped out it's very much like no fight the thing but this is different because you have to actually figure out like how to take the picture and while, yeah. while you're running away in fear i, I find it different because just lashing out and hitting things is totally different it, yeah. it doesn't feel the same uh the intensity because you're one of those you're just hitting things like it's feel like attack a zombie you know what i mean like there's some tension it was there. like take a picture of a zombie yeah, yeah, yeah. Could you imagine being like, I gotta take this picture of a zombie? Yeah, while I'm me. running away from it, so that <laughs> I have I can proof just, that it exists, right? If I can yeah. just get it in the you know one third frame, whatever yeah. it is, it'll leave me and alone. Somehow, that is so much <laughs> freakier than actually being attacked by the thing. <laughs> yeah, right. Because like you got to keep it in frame, and you got to have it at a nice, you know, focal it, it can still hurt you. And, and yeah, focal that's, <laughs> so yeah. Um, jump scares in a board game. That sounds like a great design goal, says uh, Michael Dunsmore. And Eric Slauson was, oh my God. <laughs> have, a, have a, like a wind up thing in the center where it just cycles mm -hmm. and like psh, pops shit out at you. Like, I don't know. High face, but with zombies. Yeah, <laughs> zombie face. <laughs> cool. So uh, we're actually really close to winding down. Who thought we were going to talk for <laughs> 56 minutes about um, real time games? Real time games. Was this so, our intent? <laughs> Yeah, I know. So hopefully people have got an idea about some real-time games to go try and play. Um, I, I think some of my, one of my favorite real-time games, and this is interesting because James Ernest just said that Greater Than Games has acquired his back catalog for the uh, cheap-ass cheap games, I think. So maybe we'll see a new iteration of Lightspeed. Um, Lightspeed is this kind of real-timey game that has the resolution is just firing your lasers. Um, so basically it's cards that you play in this open space that doesn't have any bounds or limits really. It's like your table is your limits. And each of the cards has a bunch of lasers that shoot off of it. Um, and they're, they're fixed at the angle that they shoot. And you just play your cards kind of willy-nilly anywhere and then at the resolution phase, once everybody's kind of done what they're supposed to be doing, which is, you know, collecting minerals and shooting people, is you see who fires what and who hits what. And it's it's kind of neat in that way. So, oh, yes, Eric with the, pa with the pun. He's got die. some puns running. Die face. There you go. Awesome. Well, All if right. you're putting zombie viruses in people's face, it should yeah, be called yeah. probably die face. Yeah. Um, so... A light speed is one that I kind of like that if you have a chance to look it up, look it up. Um, Jesse, what's your favorite real-time game, you think? You my sure? absolute favorite is probably Jab, but um, my most played is probably Brawl. Um, right. Okay. So Jab, um, which is an old TMG title, if you can find it, give it a look. Uh, done by Gavin Brown of Roxley Games. Um, what about Erica? Erica, do you have any favorite real-time games that aren't on the list but that you might have actually played. Yeah, that's something. Yeah, I don't know if I have any favorite. It'll, you know what I'll do? It'll totally come to me after the fact, and I'll just post it here later. <laughs> what about what about Perfection? Do you remember Perfection? I think I actually thought about both Perfection and the chess timer when we've been talking about these different mechanics of like the pushback. I was right. thinking about classic things like that. Uh, yeah, yeah, perfection. Because... Perfection is totally a real time game, right? So and that, actually, that answers a question I think Zach asked way back in the beginning of can you think of a solo real time game? Yeah, solo real time game. There you go. Perfection is one perfection. Of perfection For is sure. a solo well, real time I mean, game. Really, any any puzzly game like that. Any puzzle on a timer could be a solo timer. game. <laughs> cool. Paul Saxberg, of course, is saying yeah, jab. Um, Michael Dunsmore said falling. Falling is another good one. Yeah, that's another good one. Is that by Cheapass? Yep. Cheapass one. Is, is there, that or Looney Labs? So. I can't remember. Uh, I'm going to look it up now yeah. because now I've like, said that confidently. Yeah, Jenga with a one-minute chess clock. See, that's would, a chess clock again. 
I would love that. I would do that. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Eric Slauson is saying, please don't make think of that three by three perfection. So for those of you who don't know, they changed the old perfection to a three by three perfection grid, which is like, is why, that tiny? why is that even a thing? What did it used to be? Yeah. Didn't it used to be like it's at least four by? I four. would say no, it would be way bigger than that. Five, five, five by seven. It wasn't a perfect. It was a rectangle, so I would have to think it's like five by six, five by seven. Do you go three by three? That's a lot of pieces you took out. And yeah. what's the timer at? I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> Two seconds. I, but oh. it would be kind of like uh, done. Like yeah. you'd be like the size <laughs> kind of mattered, so you had a little more to do in the time 52 card pickup and then uh there you go that's real time yeah xcom the board game half real time yeah yep. that totally works that that's the intention of it was to do that and that has that big pause right that yeah we we're talking about before to make all the the strategic decisions and then the tactical phase is and real time go. which is yeah. which makes sense when you think about it cool all right uh let's go back to our agenda and see what's happening here any final advice Jesse, do you have any final advice for people who are looking to, to design real-time games? Uh, play Jab. Play Jab? Okay. Uh, Erica, mm -hmm. do you have any final advice for people who are looking to design real-time games? Yeah, I would say I think we came up with a lot of pros and cons. It would be interesting is to try to wrap as many of those pros together as possible. Because uh, mm -hmm. we kind of went in different directions, but it was interesting where we kind of said, I wish more games maybe did this. And right. so there might be something there, actually. I actually wrote down a separate idea for a co-op game while we were going. It wasn't real time, oh. but anyway. But, uh, and I guess my piece of final advice would be to go play a bunch of real-time games, like Jesse is saying, uh, because they, they are all deceptively different. Uh, I find there's a lot of differences. One of my favorite ones is uh, Jungle Shots, uh, which is a, another game by one of my design heroes, Roberto Fraga who did Captain Sonar, and it is a game where you hide the timer. One person, the guardian of the jungle, holds the timer behind their hand so nobody else can see it except the person who's doing the actions. And that person can do actions all day long if they wanted to, just they lose any points they accumulated if there's no time left when they stop. Mm. So they have to judge when they need to stop. So it's a push-your-luck on top of it. Yeah, it's really yeah. pretty cool. It's and a real-time push-your-luck. Yeah, mm. it was re-implemented as Castelli, I think, recently. But I have the Haba version. It's called that. Anyway, so you can find me on Twitter at Senfeng Lim. Uh, Jesse is on Twitter sometimes. Uh, He's sort of on Twitter. Boy, sort of. On, it exists. <laughs> it exists. Does Jesse we, use it? We put things on it for him. Yes. And then Erica is at Front of Me Games with an I, because uh, I always make that mistake. Because um, it's got it, a friend in it. You can see the friend part. I never understand. If you're going to do a portmanteau, why are you taking two letters from one of the words? I don't know. That's not a like, portmanteau. It has to be half like, and half. This is like fry enemy. Fry enemy. It's a poor man's toe. I mean, you might want to you might want to fry your enemies. A poor, a poor man's toe? Yeah. That's okay. what I said. Uh, <laughs> the other thing you can do is join the Meeple Syrup Shop Top group i couldn't say that we are um hitting a lot of cool subjects a lot of mm -hmm. subjects that go beyond the page beyond the group and come back a lot of things that we bring in from other pages but are discussing in a group that you know is a little it's a it's a safe group because we invite people who we like and we have some control over moderating who's there so um if you like to talk people syrup stuff or game design stuff come to that page right there boom Boom, right there, okay? Uh, and if you'd like to support us, uh, we are actually in negotiations and talks with Tim Devine. We'll be sticking around to talk to him a little bit after we get off the air. Um, but we are talking about how we can get our podcast back up and running. We don't know a lot about podcasts. We just know that people like to listen to them. And uh, we're looking for ways to rip the audio from our video streams and then put it somewhere and host it indefinitely. Uh, the last place we were hosting it, we could only hold like maybe 30 episodes at a time. And we're at like, I don't know, 180 odd episodes. So we have people I who just run need out. Somewhere, yeah, I just need somewhere to dump the files. So again, RSS feed people. I have all the files ready to go. I just need yeah. to put them somewhere. Yes. So we need places to go, people to see. So that's what we're doing. If you'd like to support us in our quest to do that and other things, uh, I know there's a lot of people who, uh, you know, whenever I talk about Lucid Chart, they say, well, how do you use it? I said, well, I'll make a video someday. 
if you support us on Patreon, maybe <laughs> I'll set a goal to actually someday make that will video. come sooner. Yeah, someday will come sooner. It, it does help us to get things yeah. done faster and easier. We're basically paying with our own money for the software that we use right now, and any support will help us not have to do that as much. And then we can create more things for you, our, our meeps, who are near and dear to our hearts, to get information to you on how to do things that are pretty cool. All right, so on that, no further uh, notes. What are we doing next week? I don't know, but we'll tell you on the Meeple Syrup Shop Des page. And we'll tell you Monday. Spot? Are we designer spotlight? Oh, yeah, it will be. We're predisecting, then it's designer spotlight. <laughs> okay, yeah, so it's going to be a spotlight. We'll be designer design. spotlight next week. And we'll tell you who that is as soon as we can. All right, so we'll see you all later. Goodbye and so long. Design a real-time game. Bye. Thank you for watching the Meeple Syrup Show. If you'd like to help support our show and the podcast, please visit www.patreon.com backslash Meeple Syrup. Thank you for your support.